Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 104. I am in San Jose, almost at San Diego. I'm in San Jose, where it has been just torrentially downpouring. But right now, as I'm looking out um, over the balcony, the sun is out, which is exciting. There's landslides. I don't know. Have you been paying attention to what's going on in California right now? This is a crazy storm, man. Uh, a lot of snow and rain, and they closed the one, right? There's the 101. I think that's open, but the one they had to close. Uh, yeah, Bay Area is getting, it's getting some rain, um, which is bad because I'm supposed to drive to San Francisco tomorrow and was going to go down to Sequoia which I heard was like snowed in and people got stuck there for five days. So I might avoid that. But yeah, here in San Jose, thank you to Derek, who's been on this podcast before, Derek Stevens, for allowing me to crash in his hotel room. Pretty sweet. So I actually, well, I just drank the rest of the coffee here. He might be a little bit mad at that, but I brought some treats. So about a mile and a half away from this hotel, there's two strip malls just full of like amazing Asian eateries, uh, a lot of Thai food, um, a lot of Taiwanese stuff. So I haven't had that since I was in Taiwan. So I just went to a Taiwanese breakfast spot and I got that hot soy milk, salty, not sweet. It's the better one. And they put the green onions in it and just like that fried bread stuff. Uh, they were calling it Chinese donuts. So I also bought a couple of those Chinese donuts. They're just like giant sticks of dough, deep fried. Lots of grease. And then I got those um, like green onion pancakes, right? The scallion pancakes. Oh, mama. And where else? Oh, I went to the Shillin. What do they call it? Shillin Taiwanese street food. I don't know if that's a chain out here or not, but um, they got chicken rice and Taiwanese fried chicken. I got what they call grandma's braised beef. I, it's got that like pickly green vegetable that they put with it and like the brown, um, da, 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 what is it? Uh, come on, Tim, a oh, hard boiled egg. Oh man. It's like being back in Taipei. Amazing. Amazing. So gorged on that. And that's pretty much what I did today. Now I'm working on this podcast. Okay. For this episode, I went to Los Angeles. So after I recorded with Van Bender, Von Bender, I can use words today. Come on, Tim. I drove to Los Angeles, stayed in the uber hip area, the Silver Lake area. Actually, it was really sweet. Shout out to Roger, who uh, was my Airbnb host, who had like the craziest house. I had to download three apps just to shut off the alarm and turn on lights and stuff like that. Pretty fancy for a guy like me who doesn't live anywhere. Uh, anyway, so in Los Angeles, I recorded with my guest today, Savannah M. She is a mixed martial arts fighter, currently fighting for one. I love one. Uh, I, in this episode, I get to I get to why I love one, but I saw I guess highlights of her fight shortly after I was in Hawaii, and I was back in New York. Actually, I was probably down in um, where was I in like DC area, but I watched it and they had her rep in Cambodia, and so in this episode we get into her sort of discovering her Cambodian roots. She's Cambodian-American, so she was born here in the States. Um, and when one had her fight, they had her fight in Malaysia, and it was her first time in Malaysia. So we talked about that, and we talked about, again, discovering her Cambodian roots and fighting. She's an illustrator as well, which I think is really awesome, and she recently illustrated a children's book. So there's lots of layers to Savannah. She also trains down, well, part of the time, trains down in San Diego with Alima, who's been on this podcast, and with Pearl, who's fighting tomorrow night for the Invicta title. I think, what was their team? is uh, Team Hurricane Awesome, I think they're called. 
so yeah, just a bunch of killers and she's a very soft-spoken killer who admittedly uh, doesn't like to, mm, is that fair to say? Or in the past at least hasn't been so outspoken and uh, is sort of also discovering how to like promote herself and to be vocal in interviews and things like that. If you go online and you search for her and you, you put in her name and you put in uh, Malaysia, like Fight Diary or Behind the Scenes, you'll see this cool video of behind the scenes stuff from when she was fighting in Malaysia. I think that this is what like One does really well, even though One didn't put out that video. But what I think they should do with her is One have her fight in Phnom Penh if they have you know a card there at all this year. But even if not, like send her to Cambodia and film it and film her, you know, even like some of the touristy things like Angkor Wat or the Killing Fields, but even like going and, and, and eating, you know, Cambodian street food and things like that. I think that would be fascinating uh, because it's a great story and you're educating the viewers on Cambodian culture. And there's a lot of uh, great Cambodian fighters, actually. There's a Cambodian top team. You should look that up. And there's a, like a video package too that one did on YouTube a couple of years ago. There was a fight card, I think, in Phnom Penh, and they had like highlights of uh, the Cambodian fighters from that uh, fight card. So, really cool stuff that one is doing. I, as usual, just like am super excited that I get to sit down with people that inspire me and are uh, just really cool. I mean, maybe that sounds juvenile to say, but you know, I think Savannah's cool, and. Um, I'm happy to be able to, to share her story and her journey and to you know also educate people on different cultures. So if you are not an MMA fighter or you're not uh, Cambodian, maybe you will learn something from this episode or even in, if you're not into if you're not an artist or an illustrator but you want to learn about that. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna play a song. I've been into doing this lately. Um, silly name, I guess the band is Dengue Fever. And the song is Tiger Phone Card. I'm playing this because they are Cambodian Americans. And there's this sort of like, uh, almost like psychic, not, uh, maybe like 60s, 70s type of vibe to it, mixed with like the, you know, Khmer style tunes that you hear when you're over there. Uh, so this is pretty cool. So again, that's Dengue Fever Tiger Phone Card. And then. Oh, man, I don't have this readily available. Yes, I do. Look at that, Tim. At the end of all of this, at the very, very end, I might play a song, maybe. I don't know. There's no censorship at all in this podcast, and I'm really not into censorship, but some parts of the song I think are a little strange, but uh, the rapper is T. Cambo, and the song is Ama Cambo. And he is uh, Cambodian and grew up at least for, well, not grew up, but for part of his early life lived in a refugee camp. Yeah, yeah, I'll play it. I'll play it. That'll be the last thing that plays you out after the interview and the outro and all that stuff. Okay, you can go to the show notes for this episode to find links to find out more about Savannah. And you can also go to the show notes for this episode to find a link to my Patreon account, patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. That is a way that you can contribute to the podcast to keep the stories coming, the traveling from happening, uh, you know, the education and the entertainment, whatever it is that you get out of this podcast. If you like it and want to contribute at all, you can do so on Patreon. That's a subscription-based service where you can give a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, five thousand dollars. You know, I'm here in Silicon Valley. Maybe you are, you know, you own, I don't know, Google. Maybe you own Google and you listen to the TV TV podcast. Is it the T? I always the TV TV. It wouldn't be the TV TV, right? Because that's repetitive. That would be the the voyages of Tim Vetter. My God, I've been saying it wrong for 104 episodes. Maybe you own Cisco or maybe you own a chain of Red Lobsters and you've got like all this disposable income and you're like, wow, I just learned so much about MMA, about one championship, about Cambodia. Tim, I learned about you. And I want to give you a couple bags of money. Or maybe you want to give me a whole Red Lobster franchise. 
You know, when I was a kid, we would go to Red Lobster and we would bring home those cheese biscuits. You know what I'm talking about, right? They're not like, they're not so good if you reheat them because they're so like kind of oily and they kind of like get kind of sloppy at that point. But it's better than not bringing home cheese biscuits. So maybe you want to, you know, give a whole franchise. You want to give us here at TV, TV Industries, you want to give us a Red Lobster. We'll take it. I'll eat for free for like a really long time. So you can do all this stuff. Actually, I don't know if you can gift a franchise on Patreon. Maybe you could just like, just call me up. So DM me and ask for my phone number. But go to patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter to give. All right. I blabbed here for like 10 minutes. That's a long intro. Enjoy the song that's coming up, which is Dengue Fever. What did I say? Tiger phone card. And then enjoy this conversation with Savannah. You live in Plum I check my email I'm too kid out to fall asleep So I write you back and count the days Until we'll be together The first thing that I do Is throw my arms around you I never let go From my hotel room I'm sitting on the hallway floor I know that we are so, so, so So tired of all our despair You only call me when you're Okay, so you you grew up in California? Yep, I was born and raised. <laughs> right in LA? Yeah. So were your parents like first generation or? Yeah, my mom came out here with her siblings and her parents uh, when she was very little. So um, yeah, it was during the time of the Khmer Rouge and uh, yeah. so they had to get the hell out of there. So. Yeah. 
and then uh, yeah. Um, did, did they talk to you about that at all when you were growing up? Not much when we were. I mean, my mom would give stories here and there, um, but yeah, they, that's a that's a thing that I noticed. Like, um, they don't really talk much about. It wasn't like. Like because I have this newfound curiosity of you know my family's just Cambodian culture and, mm-hmm. and history, so I've been asking um, like my mom and my aunt, just anyone I can't think of that went through that period during the Khmer Rouge, and just kind of ask. It's really hard to ask these really tough questions. Oh, sure, yeah. But at the same time. I, mean, I hope it's kind of like therapeutic for them. It doesn't seem. It feels like I'm hurting. Like I'm over. I'm ripping open a bandit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um. But no, I, I feel like I learn a lot from it. So and, uh-huh. and I feel like it kind of brings us closer because. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, it, I feel like a lot of uh, Cambodians, at least from my like my family and stuff, were afraid to be vulnerable. So I think asking those questions is kind of. Like I said, bringing us closer. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, it's 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 a sad thing, but that's also kind of amazing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple of people in New York whose families came over. Um, you know, I think refugee there were refugee camps first in Thailand, so a lot of people yeah. first went to Thailand and then you know came over to the states and were mm-hmm. settled. It, like, growing up, did you have like like a Cambodian American identity, or because your parents didn't talk about like their past too much, did you not really think about it? Um, yeah, I felt it was more, uh, like I, as a, as a child, we were my, especially my brother and I, um, we were around more Cambodian cause we're, my mom was working a lot and, um, she left, she left us in the care of my grandparents and my uncles and stuff. And, uh, you know, they were always, I, I was, I was even able to speak the language then. And, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lost it though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, we, we would always go to Cambodian temples with them and um, it was just a lot more Cambodian Cambodian food all the time Yeah. and then at some point um, when I was like a teenager about that time we moved to the Midwest so very different oh really so we were away from like all of that for a long time and yeah, then we, wow. and then for high school I we moved back uh, to Long Beach okay. California so and then, and then now, especially recently, since um, I've joined one championship, it's like I really want to get into this a little more to to understand um, my culture again because I've lost so much of it. So yeah, so <clears throat> I think I also read that. So you fought in December for one, uh-huh. and for people who are maybe like tuning in that aren't fans of MMA, you can talk to him, MMA. One is like the premier fight organization for Asia, but now really is like becoming super global, which is exciting. Yeah. I think I heard you say, and so you fought in KL, right? In Malaysia. Yes. I think I heard you say that that was your first time in Asia. Yes. Wow. (laughs) And like, so, so I watched the fight and when you came out, you know, they, they introduced you as representing Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming then you got like a lot of media attention and news attention from Cambodia. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, various uh, like Khmer media have reached out to, to interview me and stuff. And, and if, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to be like, you know, I'm, I don't know the language, yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're really nice. They're like, as long as you can know basic phrases, it's, it's, it's fine. So, uh, and they're just happy that I, I'm, I'm, I'm so enthusiastic about just relearning the culture and representing, you know, even though I'm Cambodian American, I'm still yeah, of course. very much, um, yeah, they're, they're very proud of like everything that's going on. So uh, yeah, I was very overwhelmed with all the support with, with my first fight. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you familiar with, um, like Cambodian top team? Yes. Yeah. I'm getting more so okay. aware of them. So because, um, I think they're cool. They're, so their coach, his family came over on like refugee status and like I'm pretty sure he grew up in Brooklyn um, which is where I spent like the last nine years of my life so okay. <laughs> I've got that that small little connection but um, that's sort of like that's what I like about one um, so I just I, I was telling you on the way over here like I spent the six of the past seven months in Asia and they've got I mean they've got a lot of fight cards um, but like they do a really good job of promoting regional stuff. Like, so the fights in Jakarta, there would always be um, 
on the undercard and, and sometimes even on the main card, like a lot of local fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like local pride. Mm-hmm. They even have, um, they had an event in Phnom Penh. Uh, I think it was a while ago though. But like there's all this like, like you know, Cambodian highlights from there. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Like they do a really good job of promoting culture and um, being like really in- inclusive of places that don't maybe like get a whole lot of representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I really dig like people. <clears throat> um, you know, they, they hear that I'm an MMA fighter, then they assume that I'm my ultimate goal is to be in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just love the way, like, I mean, that one, that aspect of one that you just mentioned, and and just the way they, uh, I just like the way they they package everything. Just have. Just uh, showing their fighters as heroes, and um, because it's already a very violent sport, so mm. I like that they kind of uh, talk about the honor and uh, just like, they really promote fighters that that are helping their communities or yeah. um, so stuff like that 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 I really admired. Whereas um, you know other organizations might be big, more big on like you know. T- talk some shit about your, yeah, yeah, yeah. your opponent and it's like if I had to do that I would be really terrible <laughs> I, I can't yeah that, and you know that's like a very like American <clears throat> and European thing right. too right like there, you know uh, yeah, martial arts comes from a place of respect not yes, of yes. trash talk and entertainment yeah yeah it's a funny point that you make to, um, because because I think especially with women's MMA for whatever reason like you know I reach out to a lot of people for this podcast Everyone from the world of MMA I've had on has been a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and your gym in, in San Diego, which I'll get into also, they're really stoked right now because like there's a bunch of flyweight champs. Like Alima's a flyweight champ, or a, about to be potential champ. So Pearl's fighting this Friday for Invicta. Mm-hmm. Um, they have high hopes for um, uh, for Liz to, to fight for the title in the UFC. But then like... You're also a flyweight in uh, in one, mm-hmm. so I mean that's amazing for that gym. But yeah. selfishly, I'm like, oh man, like you have all these top tier fighters in divisions <laughs> that are spread out. Like, um, you know, even like I, I had Jin on Jin Fry on this podcast, and like she's in Invicta, okay, and Angela Lee's in one. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, like <laughs> I'd like to see all those people fight. It would be cool to to see like cross promotional stuff. I don't know if that would ever happen, but like you know, like a one versus Bellator event mm. stuff like that. Hmm. That is an interesting concept. <laughs> <laughs> so how did um, your involvement in one come about? Uh, let's see. Well, I guess one championship wasn't my initial. Like, I was hoping to, like if I'm going to do this sport, I would love to, I would love to, to travel, uh, get some travel out of it. So I was hoping to maybe go for Ryzen initially. Oh. And uh, we have uh, my manager, actually, he has some connections, you know, he's worked for, with Pride and stuff. And turns out he knows people with one championship. So that's kind of how we, we decided to go that route. He, he, he helped us kind of reach out to the right people and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. What are their, like, do they have future <coughs> plans for you? Have they said, like, hey, yeah, we'd love to get you on a Cambodian card or <coughs> we have your next fight lined up? Yeah, um, so I just had my debut, like we mentioned, in, in December, and um, they, seemed, they seemed really happy with everything, and, uh, you know, my coach and I were as professional as possible, and um, uh, we don't have anything set in stone yet, but I'm, I'm really hoping to get another, like my manager's working everything out, trying to get another fight for me, hopefully, in April or May, mm. but um, we don't really have much details yet, so... Okay. Yeah, I think that the sport and people's acceptance of the sport is sort of past the the phase of like looking at fighting and fighters with like these broad stereotypes or, you know, I guess what I mean by that is like, especially in the early days, like you would hear that stuff like human cockfighting and, um, mm. you know, the idea that uh, a fighter is this like savage, gruff, mm. like uh you're even talking like trash talking type of a person. I saw you talking about how you're sort of like coming into your own in the sense that like uh, you are always sort of like told to like be happy and mm-hmm. it's like in your nature to be 
uh, maybe kind of quiet, but then like balancing that with the sport that, yeah, in, in a way is quite violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've kind of always just liked, um, I don't know, I've just always had that, I guess I just always had that more intense, I guess, because uh, um, I've always had that more adventurous side, I guess, um, inside of me. I, I mean, I'm very, I'm quite reserved and quiet and shy or whatever, but uh, I've always had this thirst for adventure and um, and I just kind of always dug this, um, just having this balance as, as a human being, you know, just, I don't want to be just, you know, wait, quiet and shy and, uh, I don't know, maybe I just also want to have this other part of me that can, can do things like, uh, like stepping in the cage and just this other, I guess, um, more, more a yin yang kind of thing Mm. going on. So it just makes life more interesting. makes the people more interesting that way. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So then do you, like, is it um, the competition that motivates you? Like, or, like, do you, like, do you have a dark place you have to go to to, like, really train through tough moments or? Uh, (laughs) It's funny. It depends on my mood, I think. Um, um, I get excited for fights um, because I feel like the preparation and the training and uh, all the people that I have supporting me, my teammates, I I don't have to f- feel. I don't. I feel like I don't have to be so afraid to step in there and, and mm. you know to do this to you know go to go to war pretty much with this other person. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm excited. I, as much as I like to kind of hide away from as many people as possible. <laughs> Once I'm out there under all the lights with all the people, I feel. I don't know. It's. It's like for some reason it kind of feeds me and uh, I get excited for, with it. But um, I don't know. I don't know why that environment is. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> it's amazing though. Like yeah. um, your fights have been really dominant too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went back and watched uh, your first pro fight, which was like eight seconds. Right. With that like vicious <laughs> left and crumbled her. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that's really cool. And that's that's why I like having fighters on here, especially fighters who – like are much more nuanced than just someone who's a fighter. Mm. Um, I like to show people that people are complicated. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think I saw that you were saying that when you were growing up, like, um, you know, your family wasn't that well to do mm-hmm. and that, you know, you didn't, you don't come necessarily from a training background in early life. Is that true? Oh, correct. Yeah. So at what point did you take an interest in participating in martial arts? Um, it was, uh, so my my boyfriend now, he used to live across the street from me when we were both living in, um, sorry about that, okay. when we were both living in Long Beach. And um, for whatever reason, he invited me to like train, to, to box with him because uh, he was like, he was friends with um, my then coach. My boxing coach in Long Beach, he was a owner of DG Boxing, and that's where I started everything. He introduced me to DG, and um, I started training at that gym, and um, that's kind of how it all started. I just found this new fascination, which is weird because, like, growing up, I was more into, like, Bruce Lee style, like, with the kicking and stuff and more flashy, and I always talked trash on boxing. Like, they're just using their hands. Uh Um, but then it turns out boxing turned out to be my first love. So, wow. so you were, you were <clears throat> boxing before you were doing jujitsu or anything else? Yeah. So first boxing and then a couple of years later I added jujitsu and then added everything else that I can, like kickboxing and uh, Muay Thai wrestling. And then, uh, um, this is around the time when uh, women's MMA was kind of kind of uh, becoming more popular with Ronda Rousey uh-huh. up at the top. And, um, you know, the women's MMA was still growing at the time. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm digging this stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty decent at it. So let's let's give it a shot. Yeah. When you first, first started, I think maybe you have like a similar story to Alima where it was like, I just want to do something that's going to like keep me fit and in shape. Yeah, I never thought I was going to fight professionally. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What is, um, 
what it was like the reaction of family and friends when you were like, okay, I'm going to be a, a pro fighter? Um, everybody's been super supportive. Like I haven't gotten anything. Uh, like my mom was really supportive of anything. Um, yeah, I haven't had any negative reaction. Just some from certain people. Like I don't know them very well, so it doesn't really matter. But they're just like, I kind of get the vibe. Like women shouldn't do that. They should just stick to like massages or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh but anyway uh like friends and family everybody's just like super pumped they're, they're that's the that's the usual reaction just very excited so oh, that's awesome yeah how much of a of an amateur career did you have um not much like i would just do i would do like boxing smoker matches oh yeah and i was competing a lot in jiu-jitsu tournaments um so i i had the like competition I was I was competing, but not okay. much as far as like MMA uh, fights or anything. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw that you like have done like Naga, and um, mm-hmm. I think you have like some of those smokers on YouTube also. Yeah, yeah. But that fight in 2016, that that pro fight, that was your first that was fight, my fight, first fight. Yeah. Oh damn! Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so, like along the way. Um, like there was a a bit of time between your second fight and this most recent fight in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So like along the way, you're honing techniques and exactly. More. Yeah. So those first two fights, I was um, I was counting on just my my boxing. Like that's the thing I would kind of uh, revert back to. Um, like I didn't have much MMA training going on, even though I was like cross training and stuff. I wasn't. I didn't have that glue to stitch together the jujitsu and the wrestling. Like. And and the striking. So mm. when I started training with at an actual MMA gym after my second fight, I was getting taken down at will, and I didn't know what to do again. You know, wow. I, I had a lot to learn. Yeah. So that's why I'm glad I I was supposed to fight for one championship actually uh, last year in February, oh, but wow. I injured my shoulder, and I feel like at first I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. But I, uh, later on, I realized it was kind of a blessing because I needed that time to 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 work out a lot of things in yeah, my game sure. so well that's uh, amazing that yeah. you weren't even like fully training all aspects and you were still competing like yeah yeah wow yeah um so it was after like you were telling me how your coach here in LA had reached out to you that was after that second fight that was uh well so uh, after the second fight I started training at fight science MMA with uh uh, coach Ian Harris and we're still working together a bunch and it wasn't until um, later on uh, last year um, just a couple of months or something a few months or I guess it was a few months before my fight but that's when Justin Hamilton reached out and um, and I it's funny I've been watching like his videos on YouTube for for a while before that and it, it was and like later on I realized like is I feel like I know you. Uh-huh. And sure enough, he's like, the, I was watching like his leg lock setups and stuff. Uh-huh. And um, so after realizing that, I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to get to train with him. And then uh, he's he's been like super sweet about it. And um, that led to like more private sessions. And so I was training with my team in fight, at Fight Science MMA with uh, Coach Ian. And then also putting a lot of private time in with um, with Justin. And he was doing, he was the one that was like participating in like a socio or a psychological study or? Yes, he's a sociologist. Oh, okay. (laughs) And he was doing something on women in combat sports. Yes, exactly. That's what that interview was for. Oh, okay. Is that, is that, is there like, uh, like data from that or like a write-up that people can check out or? Uh, Yeah, I, um, I, I guess he's not saying much about it right now. He's kind of finishing everything up. Um, um, oh, so it's still not. Uh, it's like still published. in the yeah, exactly. It's still in the works. Okay. But yeah, I feel bad because he, like you said, um, when he first interviewed me, I didn't give him much because I I was I had such uh-huh. a hard time answering his questions. But I feel like um, he said I helped him out a bunch when he got to travel when we traveled together to Malaysia, and he said he. He got like so much more data from that. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm Is glad. he the one that did like the sort of like fight diary video? Just like behind the scenes? Yeah, he's oh, the one yeah, that I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yours was pretty cool. Okay. You got to go to like Batu Caves and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Kuala Lumpur is a really cool city. Yeah. Um, especially for food. <laughs> uh, so how did you end up down in San Diego also? He's the one that's because he'd been 
uh, kind of like you just traveling around interviewing uh, various, especially for him, he was very uh, interviewing various uh, women's mm. MMA fighters. So he went down and that's how we met Elima and uh, Manolo. And um, so he met, he saw that there was a, a little niche there for, for women's yeah. MMA. So he, obviously that's a great place for anyone, any woman training to go down and get sparring and getting work done there. Yeah. So he told me to, to, it was a good idea to go down there. And that's how I, so now I'm training half the week in San Diego now. Okay. Yeah. Killers down there. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, like we were saying before, they have a lot of like really exciting stuff going on. Yeah. Um, I, I have here in my notes, this is someone that you talked about, um, but David Gonzalez, mm-hmm. the, the importance of this individual on your fight career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's my my boxing coach from DG Boxing. That's, okay. Yeah. And he like sort of took you in when you were younger. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, when my boyfriend in- introduced me to him, like I didn't have money or anything to mm-hmm. train, but um, he just allowed me to, to go in and, and, and work. And, um, um, yeah, he's just been just, just, I I can't express the amount of gratitude. I just, he's just, and he continues to be so generous and so, so kind. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) he's just an amazing guy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, there is a, Somewhat traditional, or somewhat, there's a traditional martial art in Cambodia with um, like a stick weapon, uh, mm-hmm. a bokator. Mm-hmm. How, <laughs> like, I know obviously, like, you're Cambodian American, but like, yeah. how familiar are you with this? I, I mean, I'm aware of it. Um, I don't, I haven't had the chance to train in it or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to incorporate some stick fighting in my training because I feel like people, Fight with sticks have insane reactions. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know too much. It, it's uh, it's cool to me just because, like, um, and, like, Myanmar has a traditional martial art. Um, obviously, like, there's Muay Thai in Thailand. But in a lot of communities, like, you see, like, really young people training mm-hmm. in these martial arts. And it's, you know, it's a pretty tough and gnarly way to you know, try to eke out a, a living really. And like even some of, I was researching a bunch of, uh, Cambodian martial artists and, you know, even folks who have gone pro, if you're still living in Cambodia, like there hasn't been a ton of money in it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I think also it's, it's really cool when I see something like one and you go to these events and there's like, you know, uh, like local kids and stuff, they you know get some spotlight and hopefully get a chance to sort of like change their life in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, was, uh, I met uh, at the um, at my previous fight. I met Chan Ratana. Yeah, and um, cool. super cool guy. And uh, and I was talking with his coaches later, and they were saying, yeah, right after this, he's going to be preparing for another fight. And he was saying like there wasn't very basically like the odds were very much against him. Mm. And uh, so I was like, why is he doing this? Like, if it's not going to be, like, if if the if the judges are just going to give it to the other guy, which is what it sounds like, why is why is he doing this? And then they're just like, he just sent a bunch of dollar signs. So I was like, oh, yeah. it's a different thing. They, they need to fight for money. Exactly. So I was like, man, I, it's very humbling. Like, I... I Sometimes I forget how how good I have it that I'm, I'm doing this, uh, you know. To, I mean, it's right now. It's fun for me, and I get I'm 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 I get to possibly see Cambodia at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these opportunities. It's not just to put food on the table. So yeah, yeah. a lot of this uh, getting, <laughs> you know. Um getting back in touch with, you know, my, my roots in the, in Cambodia and stuff. It's a lot of beautiful things and a lot of like really tough things at the same time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good, I mean, both of those points are, that's a really good perspective to have. And, uh, um, yeah, it's like even, you know, in a lot of, uh, of my travels, like I'm not trying to just like, uh, you know, sit on a beach with like a fruity alcoholic mm-hmm. drink. Like I want to see the country and yeah, like, you know, there's places that are 
total tropical paradises that have, you know, extreme poverty. And it's right. sort of that duality is an interesting thing to grapple with. Mm-hmm. Do you... Um, I'll sit on that one for a second. So I wanted to ask you something. Uh, the more, So I had first... I think I had first really found out about you after that fight in Malaysia. I had just come home. I was at Alima's fight, and you fought like a week later, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, all right, sweet. Like, again, like Cambodian-American... Um, messed her up like it was a it was a good fight it was exciting and again like I just love one but the more that like I've sort of like been looking into you to mm-hmm. prepare for this like you're like an onion like I'm like uh, <laughs> peeling back like, all these different layers uh, can you talk about uh, the talent quest and like your your interest yeah. in illustration yeah totally um so so the talent quest is something I've been working on with uh, Eve Edwards yeah sure some of you guys have heard of him <laughs> former UFC fighter and um and our friend uh Brooke um uh wow why I hope you can edit this out <laughs> Brooke James <There> you go. <laughs> Brooke James and um yeah they they put out a like a like a, a Facebook uh, Instagram post like saying they're looking for an artist to help them with this project and I reached out and they they yeah, everything connected with, uh, unfortunately, like they, they love my style. And plus it was perfect that I have an MMA background. So I was able to um, capture the characters training in their various styles and stuff. But anyway, this uh, this book, Talent Quest, is something that we we're working on to kind of, uh, kind of t- to break this negative stigma that um, training in any kind of martial arts might have, like, uh, like even... My, my boyfriend's daughter trains in Taekwondo and um, I was trying to encourage a friend of mine to get her daughter granddaughter into it and she was saying yeah but my daughter feels like it's too violent and like so yeah this is a whereas you know we're trying to get to teach people out there like this is not a sport to teach people violence it's actually rather the opposite you know teaches kids um uh, you know, strength and how to be courageous and how to be respectful and and um, just all these very positive things that I've seen personally yeah. with Isabella. Um, so that's that's the mission of this project. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, is that uh, published already? Is it available? It's published and uh, yeah, it's uh, available on Amazon right now. Awesome. Um, so I'll do... I always, whenever we have authors and stuff, we do a little giveaway, so we'll do that too. Okay. Um, was this the first time that you've ever been, like, that your illustration has been published, that you've done something professional with it? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been drawing all, all, ever since I was a kid, and then, uh, and then I just recently learned, learned, Thanks to YouTube, <laughs> uh, how to how to to do everything digitally. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, Photoshop. So I've been wanting to like making a children's book. Been something that I've been wanting to do for for a while now. Like that was like one of my goals. So I was totally there was like the perfect opportunity for me to 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 do that. Yeah. Do you have aspirations to to do more of that and to put out uh, other books? Yeah. So the talent quest is the first. We're hoping that this uh, this works out because we're hoping that this becomes like a series of, of oh, books. So, cool. Uh, we leave like a ginormous cliffhanger <laughs> in this first one. So um, we're hoping, I mean, the responses have been great so far. It's just, uh, you know, um, we're, we're working on marketing and, and kind of talking about it more just to kind of reach out to as many people as possible yeah. before we can uh, finally go and, and continue with the series. So. For myself, I'm curious about this because um, the last guest that I had on that this hopefully will come out today wrote a children's book. I was uh, telling you on the way over here, how, and I forgot to ask you this, like how long does a project like that take for you? Uh, We're, the three of us were all very new with this whole creating a book thing and the whole process. So I think it took a lot longer than it should have. Like we were trying to have it, ready before 
uh, Christmas, uh, 2018. Um, but so it took us a little over a year, year and some. So wow. a really long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say this respectfully, but like the, the writing portion of a children's book, like isn't, you know, such an arduous process. Like it's not 300 pages of text. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it, on the surface would seem to me like, oh yeah, like maybe that wouldn't take so long. Sure. But then I think any like artistic endeavor, like it has to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you know, you need people to buy it. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I have like, I have an interest in writing and I've, I've, the, the last guest I had on like piqued my interest in an idea of like uh, doing something with my travels. I think it's, um, I mean, this is, this is totally a tangent, but, uh, I was a big Anthony Bourdain fan. Okay. And I think that for like, uh, like a white American male, like he really showed people like me, like how to, uh, appreciate and respect a culture without like imposing your own story or like views or whatever on Mm. it, you know, and like sort of use a platform to share someone else's story. So I thought it would be cool to do like a children's book of, of my adventures. But oh. anyway. Uh, That'd be kind of cool. I think that you should look into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you posted something the other day um, about like s- someone's maybe doing a documentary or a video story about oh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. This has been going on for a little while too. We've just kind of been collecting footage over over um, maybe a, a year and a half or so of um, kind of, I guess, my journey. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird to talk about. But uh, um, yeah, so it's just going to be a little, uh, a, a small thing about kind of like how I got into MMA and everything. So um, yeah, the, the the guys that we have, work, the guys and girls we have working on it are super talented. Oh, and, uh, that's um, cool. Yeah, we're just hoping to just kind of a cool little thing to kind of get... Um, I guess my story out there. Does that, does that make you uncomfortable? Mildly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you just, it's, you just private or like? Um, yeah, I I guess I'm getting better, but like, I don't know. I'll just, we're talking about myself. Uh. I like, um, I don't know. <laughs> when I see it, the product, it's, it's like, oh, that's cool. But, uh. Yeah. Well, it's funny to me because it, that's actually like a really similar feeling to, I'd say, maybe like 60% of the people that I sit down with. Mm. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, like, why me? Like, what am I, mm. what am I doing? But for, for, you know, most people are not MMA fighters, mm-hmm. right? Or even like, again, like, it sounds silly maybe to say this, but, uh, you know, majority of Americans are not. Cambodian American. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think that people are really interested in people who are not a hundred percent like them. Mm. I, mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I was in um, San Diego and I was going to Planet Fitness. Shout out Planet Fitness for letting me work out for free. Um, and there was a TV show on about, oh God, it was like a lumber yard. Mm. It was like a reality show about like a place that like sells lumber. And I'm like, you know, if people are interested in something like that, like they're for sure going to be interested in hearing about someone who does something that might seem drastic to them, like fights for a living. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know. I think, you know, even for me, like, uh, I don't do martial arts. I'm a big fan of it. Um, but I take like a little something from everybody. And I think that that listeners can do that too. Even like something simple like wanting your personality or your lifestyle or your, or your life to have that balance, like you were talking about. I think that's super important. So, um, yeah, I just think, uh, yeah, maybe embrace the the ride that you're on because uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm I'm uh, I'm having a good time. So yeah, uh, are you are you sponsored by On It? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, so I was going to ask that, like, um, since December, like, maybe what's different for you? Like, uh, are people reaching out, like, at a greater frequency? And Yeah. Um, 
yes, people are particularly for for podcasting interviews and uh, and to my surprise, like my media and um, um, uh, even more for like for like freelance art stuff, which is great because like yeah, yeah, for sure. Once I retire, that's like kind of the thing. I just want to be sitting at home and drawing. So, okay. So uh, so yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask that, like, you're you're young in age and you're also, like, really young in career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was asking Alima something similar the other day. Like, do you plan that far ahead? Do you say, like, all right, like, by 35, I want to, like, make sure my body's intact and I'm going to try to transition at that point? Or is it is it way too early to think, think about that? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of riding this uh, this um, this MMA train until like I mean I want to I just want to go as far as I can with mm. it and um, if that stops at thirty or thirty eight or whatever yeah. forty five uh, well, exactly <laughs> fifty <laughs> um, awesome and then I just after that uh, I'll get that out of my system and then I I can go back to just being a a hermit and drawing and sending it off to people. <laughs> so. Well, that's awesome. I mean, again, like I, I love sitting down uh, with people like you, with all the guests that I have, because uh, I take a lot of inspiration from people doing like really amazing things that uh, I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, the most selfish part of this podcast, here's the secret folks, is that um, in quitting my career, I was like, well, and maybe I'll go back at some point, but in taking a break from my career, I was like, I want to live in a way that if there's something I want to do, I'm going to at least try to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Because I spent, there's that silly movie like The Secret Life of Walter Mitty where there's this guy that's just like Jade dreams about like adventure and travel all the time and like, you know, eventually just like, like does it. And that's a silly movie, but I do think that for most people, uh, they have dreams and aspirations and there's things that they're sitting on and they think like, well, it's either too much work or I can't do it or it's unrealistic or it's non-traditional, right? Like I think you even saying maybe like um, with your background, like, okay, there's other things that women are supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, other than fighting or like, you know, cultures even here in America, like there's, unfortunately, like traditional ideas about gender roles or whatever. I, I know this is a long-winded thing here, but hear me out. Um, so I was like, I'm going to live in such a way that like, if there's something I want, I'm going to at least try to make it happen. And so that's why like when I was in, um, I was in Taiwan and I'm like, hey, like Alima's fighting in uh, Hawaii. Man, it would be great to go, right? Mm-hmm. We all have these thoughts. Like people say, oh man, like, when I talk to people, oh, well, you've been to Vietnam. I'd love to go to Vietnam. Yeah, go to Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my thing was like, like, what? What's preventing me from going to Hawaii? Uh, so I went, <laughs> and so like, to bring this full circle, it's like I saw the highlights from your fight, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I was following your social media and stuff, and I was like, wow, this is someone I'd like just to talk to. So the, mm-hmm. the selfish part of this is like, I use this podcast to enrich and fulfill my life and to put me in places that I don't particularly belong and like never would have been without Mm. this. Um, So yeah, all that's to say, (laughs) um, I appreciate you doing this today and being here. And I think that uh, especially with one, that there's like a huge upside, Mm. you know, they sort of, you know, like with Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez, not to just say like, huge names, but I think that maybe in the mind of like, sort of like the casual fans gives them maybe more credibility or whatever. But, um, I think there's like a huge upside and it would be amazing to see you as champ one day and like repping Cambodia and fighting in Phnom Penh. So, uh, I hope that happens for you. That that's the goal right now. So we'll, we'll see you in a few years. Cool. (laughs) Uh, so for people listening, how can they, uh, find out more about you, maybe find the book, uh, follow your fight career. Yeah, so um, I'm most active right now on Instagram and Facebook. And on both of those, I'm at Nari M. So it's N-A-H-R-Y-E-M. 
And I'm also on Twitter if you want, um, at Savannah M1. And uh, my book right now is on Amazon. Um, I can give you the link, Tim. Cool. And uh, yeah, the link is also on my Instagram. And um, I think that's it. Cool. And if people are interested in the book, we'll do like, I'll do like five. So if you're interested, email me at thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com or you can, people know the social media by now, you can DM me and just tell me like why you're interested in it, why you would want it. And I'll pick like five of the best. Uh, I'm unemployed people. I would send out a hundred, but I can't. Um, <laughs> and I'll do that just through Amazon because I'm on the road and I could have that sent to you directly. So do that people. All right. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you, Tim. Cheers. <laughs> okay, Voyagers. That is a wrap on episode number 104 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to Savannah for coming on this episode. She's awesome. Go to the show notes for this episode so that you can check her out and follow her on social media and all of that good stuff. Thank you to you, Voyagers, as always, for listening. I'm having a great time and a great life. So uh, appreciate everybody for listening and for allowing me to enter into your ear space and take up your time. I'm having fun. All right. That's a wrap, but there's going to be a song, like I said in the beginning. So following this is T. Cambo. I'm a Cambo. If you are listening around the fireplace with your dog and your children, maybe put the kids to bed. There's a couple of curse words in this song. So say goodnight, kids. Goodnight, little voyagers. Put them to sleep. And then have a little house party to Amacambo. All right. So I'm signing off now, folks. Thank you as always. And also, as always, please take care of each other. Until next time. Click, clack, bang, bang. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. I go hard in the paint. Tennessee is all I drink. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. In the bank, doing shit that you can't. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. I don't like slow money, and now I don't find shit funny. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Long Beach, we run it, and all my homies want honey. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Okay, black Chuck Taylors, y'all see trying to do a major. If I don't make it, I'ma be a drug dealer. You don't need a bang to be a money go getter. I'm a money go getter, and I love my city. Tell a hater fuck off, fatty souls fuck with me. I don't like no snitch, I don't chase no bitches, I don't do road cars, and I love my hitters. Looking for a come up, then we don't turn down for what? Down in Tennessee without no cup. OG in the air, the OGs, yeah, they wrote that blunt. And having big money just ain't enough. I got my mind on the million, highs on the prize. Cambodians got a whole lot of pride. Sitting real low in the hella flush ride. Gotta keep it going, honey, I don't tell no lies. Hey, Cambos, what up? Kimbo. I go hard in the paint. Tennessee is all I drink. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Got racks in the paint. Doing shit that you can't. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Slow money, and now nah, I don't find shit funny. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Long Beach, we run it, and all my homies want honey. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. I'm a new breed, something they ain't never saw. Too smooth, and my ground game too raw. And I break away, leave them with a fadeaway. Game time, homie, and they snooze, gotta make them play. Forget the accolades, I'm on the escapade. On another level, high speed, some would say. Weaving out of traffic, hard for them to concentrate, leaving them behind, cause they stopping for another break. See, the problem is, they lacking discipline. And this some grown man shit, they got no business in. And I'ma co-sign this for my fishermen. Anybody test them in the fifth can make them crippled in. Lead a fast life, wanna be a simple man. Keep them guessing, mine on your paper, fam. Add them numbers, keep them in a good book, then add it up, man. You know that hey, I'm a good fuck. I go hard in the paint. Tennessee is all I drink. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Got racks in the bank. Doing shit that you can't. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Slow money, and now nah, I don't find shit funny. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Long Beach, we run it, and all my homies want honey. Hey, I'm a motherfucking Kimbo. Pack 
I was on overload. Have a fuck, boy, stay on his tippy toes. I chase dreams, I don't chase no hoes. We gon' eat till it ain't no more. Yeah, I'm swerving in the fast lane, escort. We rollin' the dice. Smoke weed, pop pills like I hate my life. Oh, they get it for the high, we don't pay that price. And we don't ever fight fair, we don't play that nice. Nocturnal motherfucker, I be up all night. Bitch, I want the whole pie, y'all don't want no slice. I street fight like I'm Kimbo Slice. I wish a motherfucker would try to take what's mine, huh? What they saying down here, nah? They just hating over there, y'all. I was trying to make it clear. Every time I look up in the mirror, I see hey, a motherfucking Kimbo. I go hard in the paint. See is all I drink. Hey, I'm a motherfuckin' Kimbo. Got racks in the bank. Doing shit that you can't. Hey, I'm a motherfuckin' Kimbo. I don't like slow money. And now I don't find shit funny. Hey, I'm a motherfuckin' Kimbo. Long Beach, we run it. And all my homies want honey. Hey, I'm a motherfuckin' Kimbo. Thank you.